ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straub. It is Friday, July 22nd, and today we're going to be looking at some key position battles in the Eastern Conference, what they mean, who might win for fantasy purposes. I'm joined by Ryan Knaus and a bearded Raphael Johnson. Raph, is this an off-season beard? Is this a playoff beard that went into the off-season? I feel like you've got you got a little more facial hair than normal. Am I hallucinating that? Yeah, it's too hot to like go through the process of properly shaving and all that. Gotcha. But- that kind of doesn't make any sense because it's also too hot to have a beard but right i was gonna say that was my follow-up yeah it's the off season so yeah as long as i'm alive and healthy we'll just go from there it's working i think it's working for you it's working (laughs) ryan no beard ryan clean i'm trying to i'm trying to grow an off-season beard but this is what genetics have given me (laughs) this is is two weeks in this is just clean shaven all the time (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, we are here to talk some Eastern Conference position battles, the fallout for fantasy. We're going to try to sort out some of these situations. We're not going to hit every team because honestly, looking at some of these depth charts, the starting fives are pretty clear. I mean, there are, there are only so many teams with like glaring questions. I'm going to tell you that there are approximately eight to nine to 10 of them. So we're going to hit these. We'll start in Charlotte where at center, you've got the veteran, Mason Plumley versus the rookie, Mark Williams, the number 15 overall pick. Now, on paper, I think, you know, you give the job to the 20-year-old, let Plumley be the, the backup and mentor, and you don't look back. But the Hornets now have Steve Clifford as head coach. This came up the other day on the podcast. Does that change the math for you at all, Raph, when you evaluate this situation? It does a little bit, and I'd even argue that based on summer league performances, it's a three-man competition. Because Nick Richards played quite well in Las Vegas. 14.5, 10.0 rebounds per game, 2.5 blocks per game. Now, he was a bit loose with the basketball, 4.5 turnovers per game. But in that system, there are obviously going to be some changes from Steve from uh, you know Steve Clifford versus James Borrego offensively. But right. no center on that roster is going to be put in a position where they're a decision maker with the basketball in their hands. So... I, I wouldn't expect Richards to be too bad with the turnover count, but I, I'm, I don't know. I think because you have a veteran coach coming in who's familiar with that franchise, his second go-round with Charlotte, he may be a bit more inclined to roll with Plumley Plumley early on just to give Richards and uh, Williams time to kind of grow and develop. Uh, later in the season, one of those two may take over. But if we're going to narrow it down to Plumley and, and, and Williams – I don't know if I'm too excited about drafting either one of those guys, to be honest with you. Um, Plumlee was 275th in nine cat last season. Didn't give you much offensively, 6.5 points per game. Good shooter from the field, 64%, but he's an absolutely terrible foul shooter. So I don't know if you want that in your lineup. It's like even a second or third center. You can, at least with Williams, you can talk yourself in to the upside factor, but mm-hmm. these options aren't looking great. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I agree completely. And I'm with Raph. I think that the most likely scenario is Mason Plumlee starts out as the starting center. And as the season progresses, mm-hmm. maybe the, the calculus changes. Plumlee did start all 73 games that he played last year. So he's yeah. he's the incumbent. Uh, he said in the past when he was playing with the Nets that he wants to be a starter. So he's one of those guys who is vocal about his desire to start. Uh, so that that may have a factor. Plus, Mark Williams was a little rough at Summer League. You know, you mentioned Nick Richards mm-hmm. playing well. Williams was, you know, a little little tough, especially with the shooting percentage, which should be a strength of his. So the learning curve might be steeper. Um, as with many of these position battles, there's a lot to look for in Summer League and coaches' quotes, and we can read the tea leaves as we get closer to opening night. But for right now, it looks like probably Plumley, and then one or two of those guys is his backup. And let's not forget about P.J. Washington, too, because the center rotation gets mm-hmm. squeezed if P.J. is in there. And he played sure. about half of his minutes at center last year. So that's a, there's a very real chance that we see some small ball. Uh, I don't know how much Clifford wants to go that route. but And I'm with Raph as well. I'm not touching any of these guys on draft night. Plumlee, even if you punted his free throw percentage, he was still outside the top 100 for nine cats. So I know the you know Steve labeled him squeaky dimes, and he gets those three-plus assists per game. But I'm not... It looks cool from a center position, but I'm not going to overpay just to get a handful yeah. of dimes. Don't forget, Plumlee switched over to left-handed free throw shooting late in the season and, oh, and raised his percentage into right. the 60s. We're going to be fascinated to see if he continues with that lefty shoulder shot. It is not, Hope like so. you guys said, going to get me to draft him <laughs> in fantasy. I do think the situation here, you know, okay, we're down on Williams at the start of the season. I do think second half, he could be a, a name we're going to be adding because tons of upside in blocks. He did get better as summer league went on. If the Hornets are not good, which is possible, um, the Hornets could be, you know, in a plan picture. I could easily see that. But either way, I think Williams is on my radar, even if, if we don't end up drafting him in standard leagues. Yeah. Two, 2.8 blocks and 23.6 minutes with Duke. So that, that alone yeah. Yeah. puts him on the radar. Yep. All right. Let's 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 go to Detroit, and it's another front court. And really, this whole front court comes into focus, comes into question. We've got established veterans at both front court positions that could cause some early season problems for the young guys. So at power forward, you've got Kelly Olenek and Marvin Bagley. At center, you've got Isaiah Stewart, you know, the number 16 pick in 2020. You've also got Jalen Duran, the number 13 pick this year. We've also got Nerlens Noel, the uh, the disruptive, useful veteran who finds a way onto the floor. So, Ryan, how do you see these spots shaking out? And honestly, is there a single target you like here for fantasy? Oh, well, you, you set me up nicely to say, no, there is not a single target that I like. It's just messy. And honestly, anytime we're talking position battle, there's that question mark of will they hit their potential? Won't they? So I'm never going to pay for a player's ceiling. Like if there's a, a threat of them becoming part of a platoon, especially in a front court situation, mm-hmm. that that is a big red flag. Um, the, I'll start with the centers. So with Stuart Duran and Noel, it's just such a mess. Like I feel like the bloom is off the rose for Stuart. He is coming off a, a year where he was hyped up maybe a little too much and then never quite got there. The minutes never rose. And honestly, in today's NBA, like he's not going to be an outside shooter. He's not a great rim protector. I don't know that he is like a 32-minute-a-game guy, regardless of what happens. Um, Nerlens Noel, at this stage in his career, can he stay healthy and on the court? We love his permanent blocks, but whatever. We've been saying that in defensive stats in general. It's been saying that for a decade. No, no thanks. You know, maybe at some point in the year, someone gets hurt and you pick him up and he he crushes for you in a couple categories. Great, but you can leave him undrafted. Duran, I'll let Raf talk more about him because he's more 
more savvy with the prospects and stuff. But right now, just given the competition there, I'm leaning away from it. And then moving to Olenek and Bagley, I, I don't really understand what Detroit sees in Bagley. I know that, you know, he's got the pedigree of a, a high draft pick and he's still mm-hmm. 23 years old. So there's potential. But and these stats are from cleaning the glass. After Detroit acquired him in 18 games, Bagley ranked eighth percentile for bigs among block percentage. He was 45% or below for both offensive and defensive rebounding. His shooting was not good. 42% on short mid-range, 25% on long mid-range, very little three-point attempts. The one thing he did rank high in, he was 91st percentile for turnover rate and 78th percentile for fouls committed on defense. So I'm like, looking at this profile, I'm like, why did they, (laughs) what did they see that necessitated bringing him back? I I don't know. But uh, in any case, for fantasy, I'm writing him off. I think in a case of Bagley, this may be a situation where Detroit is betting on their environment, kind of boosting him Mm. from a, a, a development standpoint, because what Sacramento's heart, it just... They don't really have it. True. You know, I, so that's what I think they're betting on there. But the center position, I think I see some intrigue here because late last season, they kind of encouraged Isaiah Stewart to take more three pointers. We didn't see much payoff then, but we did see some payoff in summer league. Um, average 2.5 made threes per game, shot over 55% from three. So if he can carry that over into games against bona fide NBA competition, Maybe we see something where he and Duran are on the court together. You know, Duran's an explosive finisher, uh, above the rim guy. He can give you some good shot blocking potential as well. So I think if we see that, if Stewart can carry over the three point production that we saw in Summer League, that may be the key to this rotation here. Um, because if he doesn't, like I agree with Ryan, you don't get much upside there. You know, he averaged 8.3 points, 8.7 rebounds per game about one block per game last season, too, as a starting center. So I think if you're Detroit in a perfect world, you want Stewart to be able to show some potential to step away from the basket because that frees up extra time for Dern, and maybe you can get some value there. God, I feel so much better about this center situation if Nerlens Noel wasn't there. I mean, I know, I know I, he's not durable, but... I think he's more of like a guy, maybe he'll play some early in the season, but you're hoping you get some trade value at about the, the deadline. Yeah, I, I sincerely hope they're not going to give him like credible rotation minutes this season. Yeah, it seems unlikely. Really? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I hope you guys are right. I hope you guys are right. It just For seems it, like I mean, it, you got to think because Olenek's probably going to get some minutes at center as well, yeah. and, and he can stretch mm-hmm. the court in a way that Noel can't. And to Raph's point, that opens up other possibilities at power forward and so forth. So, yeah, it's tough to see Noel getting, you know, tw- 20 minutes, let alone, you know, more. 20 minutes is enough to be disruptive, though, in fantasy. Uh, as for Duran, Raph, do you think – he, like Mark Williams, he's more of a guy who we're just going to have on our watch list early on and and be ready to add. Or is he? Do you think he's a guy that we're going to want to be drafting? That's a good question. I, I think mean, I it's might July, go, so you know. Yeah, he might be someone I'd be a little bit more inclined to use a late round pick on um, hmm. than Mark Williams. But yeah, there, I don't think there's too much separating those two rookies personally, just mm-hmm. because even though Williams may have a clearer competition. Duran's in a situation where, I don't know, I, I think 
he's going to be a guy that's going to be very difficult for them to keep off the court just because of his athleticism. And when you pair him up with the likes of Cade Cunningham and Jaden yeah. Ivey, that can be a, quite the gold mine there. So I think I think I'd be more inclined to use a late round pick on Duran than Williams. Okay. Let's move to Indiana, and we're going to focus in on the shooting guard, small forward region here. Now we've got last year's number 13 pick, Chris Duarte. This year's number six pick, Benedict Matherin. You've also got Buddy Heald, though there are some fresh rumors surfacing about Buddy Heald potentially going to the Lakers, which has been talked about for a while now. Do with that what you will, but... You know, Raph, there are other guys here. I mean, Aaron Neesmith is there now, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, do you think there's – if Heald is there, do you see a path for all three guys there? Or who do you think gets squeezed? Like, how do you – how does this one shake out for you, bottom line? It's pretty messy. And I think you're rooting for a buddy Heald trade at this point because mm-hmm. he's a top 100 player in 9-cat, and his three-point shooting makes him difficult to kind of keep off the floor. Um, Duarte, 55 games last season due to injury. He played quite well when he was on the court, but I just think the overall profile, it's not like, I don't know, Heald has never been known as an assist guy, and he won't be that type of player when you have Tyrese Halliburton and TJ McConnell in the fold as well. But he still averaged about three assists per game. Duarte was at 2.1. So I don't see enough to kind of propel Duarte past Heald if all three are there. Mathurin's an extremely athletic shooting guard, a good defender, finisher above the rim, shot the ball well at all three levels during his sophomore year at Arizona as well. So he's going to get minutes. I think this is a situation where if all three are there, you're really going to see these guys kind of hurting each other in terms of fantasy value. Yeah. Heald got hot for the Pacers at a point, so I feel like he might be Mm -hmm. overdrafted for that reason. So I'm already a little bit leery of him. Plus, you got the trade potential, so you don't know where he would land, what his role might look like. You know, he could be part of a bigger package. It's hard to tell. There's so much uncertainty. But if he's there, right, it's just a total mess. And even if he's not, Duarte didn't really do much for fantasy last year that Mm -hmm. that was appealing. I mean, he played 16 games off the bench last year, so maybe he'd be better suited to a reserve role anyway. But even with minutes, it was just tepid across the board kind of stats, iffy percentages, some turnovers, like nothing that moved the needle. So I'm not eager to reach out and and draft Chris Duarte, regardless of of what the backboard (laughs) looks like going into opening night. Uh, I do think there's a realistic chance that Ben Matherin starts at some point for Indy. I think he yeah. gives them phys- physicality. He can guard multiple positions. Uh, he's got legit three-point range coming off a very impressive summer league run. He averaged 19 points, four boards, shot 49%, 38% from deep, and was uh, named to the second team. So I, I think he could emerge as the season goes on. Another guy I'd probably leave undrafted and then go get him if he heats up. Um, I would have liked to see more defensive stats in college. He only averaged, I think, mm-hmm. in 32 and a half minutes last year. He averaged one steal and 0.3 blocks. So mm-hmm. that's also like a little asterisk for me. Okay, if he's a good defender, but the defensive stats aren't there, you know, take some of the shine off him. That's called the DeAndre Hunter uh, when you when you are a, yeah. on paper a good defender <laughs> and you get world. no defensive stats. You do not ever deflect the ball. You never get steals. You just play good position defense. <laughs> not fun for fantasy. And a little frustrating for real life as well. You'd love to see yeah. like, some hands in the passing lanes from time to time. Just a thought. Okay, so 
we're a little wary of all three of these guys. There is some potential for Matherin. Probably most worried about Duarte from the sound of things, but a buddy healed trade could clear this all up in a hurry. By the way, sticking with Indiana for a second, I looking through the depth charts this morning, I was a little bit floored. I mean, I knew that Miles Turner, Isaiah Jackson, and Goga Batadze are all there still. And then I saw that they have Daniel Tice as well. I mean, Ryan, what what uh what do you make of this mess? For for they gotta, at center, they got trade Miles Turner, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> one one would hope, anyway. I mean, that rumor has been in the air for what seems like years at this point. The Miles Turner, you know, on the trade block. The reports that I've heard are that they don't get very good offers in, in return. So mm-hmm. if t- if teams are off- offering underwhelming packages, maybe they end up keeping him yet again. But as you pointed out, they have Isaiah Jackson waiting in the wings, Goga Batadze. And then Daniel Tice is a competent backup. Either one of those guys, Isaiah Jackson or Goga, could be a potential starter. They both started games last year. Isaiah Jackson started 15 games. Goga started 16. They had very similar lines with 12, 13 points on 57% shooting, both of them. Uh, Isaiah had six boards, 2.3 blocks, 0.7 steals. Goga added five boards, 2.6 dimes, 1.2 blocks, and 0.6 steals. For fantasy, both of those are very appealing, and they didn't come in a ton of minutes. So if that door opens via a Miles Turner trade, and assuming they don't bring back a big, of course, I I like it. So I might, Isaiah Jackson's a guy I might take as like a a last round flyer, just on the assumption Mm -hmm. that Indy's going to make a move sooner than later. Yeah, I don't know, Raph. What are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat regarding Jackson. Like, take your final pick in the draft. He's a guy you kind of reach for because even if there isn't a trade, the shot blocking potential is what I really like about him. In terms of Turner, it's kind of weird, but it's not like his career timeline is that much different than what Indiana's is. I know he's yeah. part of some playoff teams, but to hear all this talk, you would think that. He's like his timeline is significantly different than that of four years old. Yeah, he's he's one year older than Chris Duarte. (laughs) Exactly. So so this idea that I guess once you put it out into the universe that a guy's on the trading block, you almost have to move him. But I don't know if you have to do that, you know. And I think he could be an effective building block alongside Halliburton, Ben Matherin, right on down the board. So we'll see. I don't. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say they also kind of offered a vote of no confidence in Miles Turner when they yeah. offered DeAndre eight in this massive offer. Exactly. Team. Right. Like, he's going to come right. into camp knowing, hey, mm-hmm. I'm not the guy. So, right. Yeah. It's tough. It's awkward. It's extremely awkward. And I, and I do think Turner is a guy that I will approach with some caution in fantasy drafts just because last year of his contract, uncertain. Now, it, this is if he's on Indiana, obviously. Mm. Just uncertain you know you'd think he's going to get traded at some point but does he just get shut down at some point i don't know i i'm not to say i wouldn't draft him but he's going to move down my draft boards if he's still in indiana it just seems too much uncertainty um and this is not necessarily a team that's going to be like well we'll have miles turner out there for 75 games because we're making a playoff Mm -hmm. run you know so you know yeah caution caution for me on a positive note, because we don't have much positivity in the position battle pod, it's all <laughs> caution and wariness. Uh, Jalen Smith is a good sleeper to keep an eye on. He's, uh, he's got the yes. starting job in hand. He looked really good when he got the minutes. So just a, a positive note to throw out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. High on Jalen Smith. And not a, not a position battle, because as of now, the coach has already told us uh, yeah. he came back to the start. Yep. 
All right, next up, we're going to head to Miami. Victor Oladipo has re-signed. Max Struess is around. Tyler Hero, if in Miami, is, as we know, campaigning for a starting job. We've also got Duncan Robinson with a lot of money left on his big deal. Obviously, whether Hero is starting or not, and again, assuming he's in Miami and doesn't get traded or something, uh, we, we expect what we expect from him. But I guess I want to focus on the more marginal fantasy guys here, one of whom we think as of now is going to have a starting role, you know, that being basically Oladipo or Struess. Do you like either of these guys, Raft, to have fantasy value this year? I think Oladipo could be sneaky as a late round guy because he'll have a full off season to work on his game. Like the last two years, it's all been about getting healthy and that limits what you can do from a developmental standpoint. So I think having this full off season, just work on his offensive game. I give him the edge over Struess, even though Struess, the reason why he was thrust into the lineup is that he was the best defender of the three between he, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. With all due respect, it's not saying a whole lot, you know, but um, Struess, he's a solid defender, but he's not going to get you the stats that make you say, I need that guy on my roster. I think Oladipo offers a bit more in, in that potential. Um, my concern with him is on the offensive end, because unless they make a move, you've got Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, and Bam Adebayo all taking up significant amounts of that the usage within that offense. So how much is Oladipo going to be able to do while Struess is a better catch-and-shoot guy? So I lean Oladipo just because of what he can give you defensively, potentially, and steals and blocks. But I don't, the offense is what concerns me here. Yeah, Depot can, you know, he'll give you a few dimes as well along the way. I'm totally on board yeah. with, with him, definitely over Struz. Regardless of who starts, really, I think Oladipo paired with Hero on the bench could be a positive thing. Get the ball in his hands more, raise his usage to Raf's point if he's not playing alongside Jimmy Butler, or at least stagger him so he's with the bench unit. He did also, to his credit, Oladipo hit 41.7% of his threes last year, which was easily the best mark of his career, and 47.9% from the field overall, similarly career high. Pretty small sample size, but it bodes well for a guy coming off major surgery after major surgery. So my only real concern with him is that, like Raf mentioned, he'd be a great late round kind of gamble. I just don't know if his name brand recognition will allow that to happen. Hopefully people, you know, after years of, not seeing him play, and he only had a handful, eight regular season games, I think, last year. He'll fall to 80, 100, somewhere in there, and I'd be happy to take him there. Uh, but if he's, if he, you know, the hype builds and some, he's named a starter and he's going in around 50, 60, no, no way I'm touching him there. Um, somewhere, yeah. He might go end up somewhere in the middle. I could see his ADP at like 75. All right, we're going to keep it in Miami a minute longer, Ryan, because I know the power forward depth chair, depth chart. I was going to say depth chart there, and I said depth chair. The depth chair caught your eye, Ryan. What are your thoughts on this Miami power forward situation? I almost needed a chair after I looked at this because I nearly fainted at the <laughs> the Miami depth chart for power forward, which is nothing. There's nobody there. With, with P.J. Tucker gone, literally, who are they starting at power forward? Uh, Caleb Martin seems like the most likely option based on the current roster. He spent 55% of his time at power forward last year, according to Cleaning the Glass. Maybe rookie Nikolajovic, who looks good, mm -hmm. but I, you know needs some seasoning, and he's on a team with championship aspirations, so that's tough. Bam, Omer Yurt7, Dwayne Dedman, none of them are lining up at power forward. They, I think they just need to trade for somebody. This is a situation where their starting power forward is not currently on the roster. 
Raph, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. Caleb Martin, he actually he provided you know some good late round value despite largely coming off the bench. So I think if he ends up earning that starting job, he may be someone that some managers reach for. I wouldn't do it personally, but I could see that happening. In terms of Jovic, I agree with, with Ryan. I think there's definitely some upside to be had there. Uh, there's still some work to do defensively. I think he's more of a guy for fan, for dynasty leagues, if anything. You know, maybe not so much. You're not expecting much for this year, but maybe next year and right on down the line is where he kind of steps forward. Because when you look at who they've got in terms of Jimmy and Bam, that's going to get pretty expensive. And you're going to need another guy like Jovic kind of step forward on an affordable contract. So I think he's more of a dynasty league guy as opposed to a single season person. I don't think this could happen because of where Jokic will sit in the draft windows in the dra- the physical draft room, but it would be uh, incredible if someone, accident- if someone accidentally took oh, okay. first overall <laughs> in fantasy. I don't think it can happen because like Jokic is right in front of you. You know, you would have to like yeah. search or something, which, but I mean, could a perfect storm happen in like one league where someone accidentally does it? That would be incredible. We can dream. We can dream. Okay, in Milwaukee, Brooke Lopez heading into the final year of his deal. Bobby Portis has a new contract that takes him at least through 2025 in Milwaukee. Uh, Ryan, in, in, my, in my mind, it seems unlikely that Portis unseats Lopez as the starter. I just kind of think of Portis mm-hmm. as a guy who's more suited to coming off the bench. But how do you see this playing out? I mean, are you concerned about if both are healthy, particularly Lopez, we us seeing a, a value-draining platoon here and – who do you like better if both are healthy in fantasy? Uh, very much so. The The platoon fear is real. I, I do think it's going to be Brooke Lopez starting again simply because he's been the starter. And in the postseason, when he came back finally healthy, he was the starter. He played 27.7 minutes in the postseason while Portis fell to 24.8 and vanished mm-hmm. for games at a time and matchups that mm-hmm. weren't suiting him. So presumably that's still how the bucks view him now obviously they value him they paid him healthily to come back this offseason and i would still take portis from a fantasy point of view i'd take him over brooke lopez because you he's he's younger brooke lopez is 34 he's coming off a season that was lost to a back injury right and portis was sneaky last year like he was an unheralded guy who potentially Mm -hmm. got your fantasy team into the playoffs he was top 60 in nine cat on a per game basis he was even higher overall because he was durable and played 72 games that was in 28 minutes per game which i think is possibly reasonable if you know he's in a timeshare with brooke lopez and then maybe gets a couple minutes alongside him that's all it would take so yeah there's my take yeah i'm on the portis bandwagon as well um i believe Lopez is only listed available for center. While Portis, you can get him at either power forward or center. So I mm-hmm. think that's something else to factor in. And yeah, like Ryan mentioned, he's a top 60 player last season. I don't expect him to be at that level with Lopez being healthy. But I can definitely envision a scenario in which Milwaukee kind of manages Lopez's minutes, especially early in the season, just to make sure that he's healthy and fresh for the stretch run in the playoffs. So. Yeah, I would lean Portis because there, there also wasn't much difference in terms of the blocks and the three-pointers. And that's kind of where we tend to focus our hopes for Brooke Lopez from a fantasy standpoint. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely on that Portis bandwagon. But I think we have to be careful about making sure not to draft Portis' yeah. numbers. You're not going to take, yeah. take him where yeah. you finished last season. Right, that's for sure. right. 
So it's an if he falls situation because I I also think yeah. Portis is a guy who could get overdrafted in some leagues where people just literally look at last year's numbers and they're like, oh yeah, taking him. And and you know we don't know where he's going to be in our various Yahoo and ESPN drafts where he's going to be pre ranked. I could see him being like mm-hmm. a, a higher ranked pre ranked guy just because of last year's production. So all things to keep in mind when it comes to Bobby Portis. We have a few more still to go. First, we're going to take a quick break. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in Major League Baseball on the PGA Tour and the NASCAR circuit. We also have a special contest on Tuesdays and Thursdays called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. Going now, Raf, to the team near and dear to your heart, the New York Knicks. We have potentially, as you brought up offline when we were talking, something interesting going on at small forward. The veteran, Evan Fournier, will be trying to hold off the exciting young guy who everyone wants to see more of, Quentin Grimes. Now, Raf, when it comes to Tibbs, as we all know, if in doubt, side with the veteran. So do you think there's a world where if he is not traded for Donovan Mitchell, which also could happen, Quentin Grimes gets enough playing time in New York to be fantasy relevant? I think he can. He played extremely well in summer league. First team all summer league selection for that team. Helped get the Knicks to the championship game. We saw him have his flashes when he finally got some playing time around Christmas last year. Only averaged about six points per game, two rebounds, 1.6 three-pointers. But the thing is, outside of the scoring, there wasn't a whole lot separating he and Fournier. I think the assist category, Fournier averaged two a game, Grimes one. But Fournier played 29 and a half minutes per game and only averaged 2.6 rebounds. Grimes at 2.1 and 17 and a half. Uh, Fournier gave you a bit more in three pointers, three per game. But I don't. I think this is a situation where I don't think he did enough last season for Tibbs to just hand him the keys and say you're going to be the starter from day one. I think this is going to have to be a, a an actual competition. And if that happens, I think we can definitely envision a scenario in which even if Grimes has a win starting job, he'll be playing a good 20 minutes per night. Yeah, I, I would just hope from a fantasy perspective and a real world perspective that it's not Evan Fournier who's starting because you watch him out there. He just looks 
like a sieve sometimes and just inefficient. He had second worst player efficiency rating of his career last year. His usage dipped to 20%, which was his lowest since 2015. He barely gets to the free throw line anymore because he's not asked to be a ball handler and drive and create his own offense. He's not going to get defensive stats. So I can't stand him for fantasy personally. He's nowhere near my draft board. Uh, Raph, a question and Matt for you guys. Does Cam Reddish get a look at at the starting small forward job? Or like, where is he? He seems like a a lost. What was that name you said? Sorry. (laughs) He's like a ghost after he got traded. What's the deal there? I could see him getting his name thrown in there for competition at the starting spot. But I don't know. Just the way in which he was used or not used once yeah. acquired from the Hawks, I have serious doubts about him being thrown into that competition because even though the Knicks acquired him, they didn't draft him. You know, in the case of Grimes, they can say we drafted him. Let's see what this guy can do. Yeah. But I, I get the feeling that if there were a trade to happen between now and the start of the season, they may try to move Reddish, even though they haven't done much to kind of put him in the shop window, so to speak. Well, yeah, interesting stuff. I, I'm, I'm still, I still kind of think it's going to be Fournier, but I, I hope you guys are right that that Grimes gets a shot. Anyways, moving to Orlando now, and let's start with the point guard. We got got a couple things to look at here. Let's start with the point guard situation because it seems like Orlando has a, like a bona fide battle on their hands here, and it what could be a tough decision. And let's start with Markel Fultz because he really flashed when he came back last year. Uh, in 18 games, he didn't get a lot of minutes, but his per 36-minute numbers were around 20 points per game, five rebounds, 10 assists, and two steals. Shot it well from the field, shot it well from the free throw line. Again, that's per 36 minutes. But you know, after such a rough start to his career, that started to look more like the guy who, get, who went number one overall in 2017. He'll play this whole season at 24. So that's one half of it. You also have Cole Anthony, who... Had his own breakout season, averaged around 16 points, five and a half boards, five and a half dimes, but his shot below 40% both seasons of his brief career. So maybe this is just me editorializing, but it seems like Anthony profiles more as kind of the sixth man backup combo guard you asked to come in off the bench and maybe get hot. And I'd love to see Fultz get the shot to run the starting job. But Raph, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, there's also Jalen Suggs. Right. Their lottery pick from last season coming off of off-season surgery. So three-headed battle. Um, Fultz, that, like you said, he did show some flashes once he was back healthy, but he feels a lot like Jonathan Isaac where it's like, okay, how long is he going to stay healthy for? You know, that's the big question here. Um, from a fantasy standpoint, between Fultz's medical history and Cole Anthony's inefficiency, especially as a shooter, I don't really like either of these guys. I'd rather let someone else take them is I'm, I'm not going to do it, that's for sure. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, Anthony can get you points, but it's at what cost? So you basically uh-huh. run a field goal percentage. And I don't want to do that when I'm talking about a guard. So a point guard, I should say. So I don't really know that. Um, he, he's a good rebounder for his size and his position. He averaged 5.4 per game last season. But mm-hmm. the shooting really concerns me there. Yeah, um, this is like a double whammy where even if there weren't the position battle and the uncertainty, I still wouldn't like either of these guys' fantasy profiles, mostly for the reasons Raph just cited. And, I mean, Cole Anthony had his moments last year for sure, but it was a lot of gaudy counting stats that I don't know he's going to be able to obtain this year with more competition. You got Ben Caro there. You got, you know, potentially Jonathan Isaac, whatever. But 
it's a little too tight. And I don't know that he's going to have the free reign that he had last year. I, I I think in terms of who starts, I think Cole Anthony might still get the nod and Fultz is coming off the bench potentially just because they need shooting on the court. And Cole Anthony's not a great percentage shooter. Don't get me wrong, but he was 33.8% from deep last year. Suggs was 21% and Fultz was 23.5. So if your backcourt is both shooting 23% or worse from downtown, you're already in a world of trouble. So I think they might go with the least bad option there and try to start Cole, have Fultz run the second unit. But again, however this plays out, it's going to be sketchy. Those are fair points. I, I just think that Fultz, we were we got so down on him. I'm just saying he he looked more like that guy last year. And fantasy wise, yeah, he doesn't hit threes, but his free throw shooting was was more than passable last yeah. year. And he got a lot of steals when he was on the court. So steals, dimes, points, and not crushing him percentages. I, I don't know. In in the in the right, I don't. And with enough minutes, I think he can be fantasy relevant and useful. But I again, I just. Yeah. Per, I'm, per I'm kind 36, of wishing more than anything. Per 36 last year, Fultz averaged 19.5 points, 10 dimes, 4.9 yeah. boards, two steals, and had decent percentages. He killed you with no threes and high turnovers, but to right. your point, the, the potential's there if, if big if, he stays healthy right. and gets those minutes. So it is, it is a big if. And I mean, Suggs has enough size probably to play shooting guard. I don't know if Suggs has the shooting uh, ability to play shooting guard, but... That could help a little bit, but okay, fair enough. You guys have tempered my enthusiasm uh, appropriately here. I'm not talking about these guys. Let's let's. That's okay. Let's go to the front court because this is an interesting one. Because look, we know who the front runners are, right? For power forward and center minutes, it's Paolo Bancaro and Wendell Carter Jr. But we've already mentioned Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba. I think to the surprise of many of us, is back in Orlando after being a restricted free agent. Plus, Chumo Kiki is still there. Ryan, how do you see this all shaking out? Are you worried about those guys, A, those guys, you know, looming as backups cutting into the front runners? And can those guys like Bamba and Isaac get enough minutes to be relevant? Oh, all such good, difficult questions to answer. There's also the possibility, I mean, this team could be tanking again in a hurry and suddenly established mm-hmm. guys like Wendell Carter Jr., his, you know, the, the floor drops away from him. It's tough because, I mean, last year, Carter Jr. averaged almost 30 minutes. He was a top 100 fantasy guy. Bamba averaged 25.7 minutes, was closer to top 50, thanks mostly to those blocks. But in a, I think those are like best case scenarios this year. So I'm penciling those in as their ceilings for playing time because now mm-hmm. it, everything's getting tighter with Isaac potentially coming back. But even set that aside, you got Bancaro there. As you mentioned, Chumo Kiki stepped up and needs minutes. There's just, too many pieces at play, too much uncertainty. I would roll the dice on Bamba for sure, just because he do, he's a guy who does not need a lot of minutes to contribute mm-hmm. for fantasy. He'll get you boards, he'll get you blocks, decent percentage, and and check a couple boxes, move on. Carter Jr., I feel, does need more minutes to really hit value, and even as we saw last year, he's not he doesn't have a lot of per-minute juice. So Bamba's the guy I'm targeting here, but a lot of, a lot of question marks. What about you, Raph? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Bancaro, I think he's going to be on the court a lot. Uh, just because yeah. we talked about the point guard position earlier, this team was terrible offensively. If you look at points per game or offensive efficiency, however you want to look at it, this was a bad basketball team on that end of the floor last season. 
Van Carroll's playmaking ability, I think he's going to have him on the floor at least 30 minutes per game. That's what I'm expecting from him just because of what he can help you help you with across the board. He's also a decent shooter. So I think he's going to be the top guy. Then after him, I'd probably lean Bamba just because I don't trust Jonathan Isaac to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. It's tantalizing of a talent as he can be. If he can't stay on the floor, he, he can't – I don't know. He's not someone I think anyone should gamble on in terms of fancy drafts. There are definitely going to be people who do it just because of what we've seen when he's on the floor. But you're just asking for trouble if you do that, in my opinion. Yeah, you better have at least two IR spots if you're considering yeah. Jonathan Isaac. <laughs> okay, final one. Uh, we're going to Washington. The Wizards needed a point guard. They now have Monte Morris and DeLon Wright. And we've already talked about this one a little bit, but let's reset it again. Um, Raph, to me it feels like, given DeLon Wright's positional versatility, this is a case where Monte Morris is probably the, the clear leader. He's the, the purest point guard they have, and Wright can get his minutes at multiple positions uh, to justify the money they're paying him. Would you agree with that? I mean, how do you do? You see this as a battle or more as a clear cut? Monte Morris is the favorite. I think Morris Morris is the favorite for me. Um, and you mentioned Wright's versatility in terms of positions. Something else to factor into that is how poorly Johnny Davis played in summer league. Uh, their mm-hmm. their first round pick. So that may be even more reason if things don't look up in, in training camp for them to play right off the ball a bit more. So I think Morris, he's a guy that I think a lot of people projected to make a good amount of money in free agency next summer. Part of the reason why Denver moved him. So I think it's going to be his job to lose going into camp. And he gets you good assist numbers, doesn't turn the ball over. Maybe even see a little bit of Bradley Beal playing on the ball, which could kind of limit both Morris and Wright. But I don't think it's going to be to the point where a guy like Morris should not be drafted. I think he's going to be a guy that you want to target. I would say in the later rounds of drafts, even though he'll likely start, he's not a middle-round guy for me just because the offense, while efficient, he's not going to get you 17, 18 points per game. Yeah, I, I agree completely with that. I do think it's it's Morris who ends up starting. I hope that there's a little bit of uncertainty to tamp down his his ADP because if he's the clear cut starter, you know that's going to come with some hype and bump him up uncomfortably high, as Raf said, towards those you know the inside the top 100. But if he's outside of that, I'm ha- I'm happy to go get him. He's efficient. He's not really going to hurt you anywhere. He'll give you dimes. You know, positionally, dimes are hard to find. They're relatively scarce categories, so always something you're on the look for, especially in later rounds. Um, yeah, he just seems like a solid, solid player who doesn't have a ton of competition for, I mean, right. Even if they end up splitting minutes, Wright's going to get some minutes at two. So I think the opportunity's there and Monty Morris last year also had a 17% usage rate. I would expect that to go way up in Washington. So there's a bit of unseen value just, just lurking right there. And as for Wright, it feels like a guy who has so much, uh, fantasy potential is, now, once again, in I mean, he's not in the worst situation he could be in, but he's once again, I think, in a situation where he's waiting for injuries to strike, really, for us to want to roster him in fantasy, I think, at this point. Just looking at who they have. I mean, he's even if he's like getting back up minutes at three positions, I just don't think he's going to get enough usage or minutes yeah, to tough. really make a dent. Do you agree? I, I do. I mean, the Wizards also have Corey Kispert they need to find minutes for. Will Barton's going to have the ball in his hands some. Yeah. Uh, Denny Avdia is going to get minutes probably at, at the three. So, yeah, it's, it gets tight for right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Raph, final thought from you? 
No, I, was, I agree with that. I think Will Barton, he was a top 100 player in Denver last season, man. Yeah. Similar to Morris, his usage is probably going to go up in Washington. So mm. he may be a sneaky middle round guy to, to roll the dice on. And he's Barton. extremely vocal about wanting to start. He always, he really yeah. doesn't want to come off the bench. So <laughs> I just want to see him in the starting lineup. Well, and I mean, that's just, you know, that's crushing for some of, the, some of these young guys there. You know, Avdia, Kispert, Johnny Davis, who we mentioned. It, I mean, yeah. those guys are all on the outside looking in for this team at the start of the year. I, minutes seem like they're going to be very rough to come by for those guys. Yeah, Wizard, as, the, the Wizards live in this weird world of are they, are they, are they a playoff team? What are they? So it's an odd... It's an odd situation there, fantasy-wise. Later in the season, I guess we could see things open up for, for some of those guys or if an injury hits. All right, that is going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We're back on Friday next week. We're once a week right now. And on Friday next week, we will be hitting the position battles in the West. So look out for that. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live. Ryan Raff, thanks to both you guys. I will talk to you soon. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.